America's democracy hangs in the balance. While you're tuned into politics, Greer McVay, host of the Capital G podcast, will help you make sense of the news of the day and more importantly, understand how what goes on in our nation's capital is important to you and your family. Greer shares insights and opinions in the lead up to the election, and then will help guide you through the anticipated aftermath and into the next administration. That's politics with a capital G. Good morning and welcome to the Capital G Podcast. I am your host, Greer McVeigh. Today is Inauguration Day. It's a day that many of us have been waiting for. And obviously so much went on to get us to where we are today from Election Day on November 3rd. Um, I'm going to do something today that I have not done, which is basically to <laughs> to record a, an impromptu episode of the Capital G podcast. Uh, I usually take days and days. I write notes. I research. I read. I you know so on and so forth. Today I'm I've been up watching um, the festivities. Donald Trump's departing event. I don't even know what you call it, a rally, a ceremony, whatever. Um, and then the incoming president, Joe Biden, and his festivities, and just the juxtaposition just strikes me as there's just a lot of things. So I just, while, while things are fresh in my head, as a matter of fact, some of my thoughts aren't even fully formed in my head, um, but I found myself literally in tears so far three times this morning. Um, just the 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 enormity and the weight, and I think in large part because, like so many people, this last four years has been an emotional roller coaster. And then when you top it with 2020, with the last year, you know, when you add coronavirus onto everything else, and not just the virus, but the you know the economic dis, you know the chaos, the economic despair, the job losses, the healthcare workers, the people that are struggling to stay afloat, just all of it. You know, the, the other things, just, you know, the deaths of celebrities and friends and people and schools closed and homeschool, all of it, all of it. Um, I just, it's like I, this morning, literally, when Donald Trump got on his plane, when the wheels lifted off the ground, I literally just started sobbing. It is like this. It it feels like a, 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 a like we're coming out like I'm coming out of a bad, bad, bad dream. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to chronicle some of my feelings while uh, while while they're fresh. But let's start first with. Um, today's big number. And again, usually I've done some research. So I haven't done any research. So here's my research. Um, while I'm sitting here watching uh, the dignitaries and people show up at the Capitol for the, uh, for the um, inauguration ceremony, you know, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, this is really going to happen. This is like happening soon. You know, you don't get the Obamas, and I'm going to get back to the Obamas in just a minute, but you don't get the Obamas showing up, you know, hours and hours in advance. It must be getting close. So my my big number is, um, oh, there's Joe Biden getting out the car. So anyway, uh, hey, Siri, how many minutes until 9 a.m.? It's 93 minutes until then. Okay, well, that's our big number for today, 93. In 93 minutes, Donald John Trump will no longer be president. Any powers that have been granted to him, any uh, special favors, any, uh, you know, people's need to suck up to him, all that, all of that is done. It's over in 93 minutes. Maybe it's 92 by now. So <laughs> that and Joe Biden will become president. Uh, so let's let's just sort of I'm not going to go back to, to November 3rd. Um, but obviously, in the last two weeks, we have <laughs> since we had a since the the uh, uh, Joe Biden's vote was uh, confirmed, the the um, Electoral votes were confirmed, and we had a riot in the middle of it. Since that time, uh, it has just been a whirlwind of activity. And just to get us to this point with, you know, we've been on pardon watch, which, of course, all those pardons came through last night. We've had, you know, wondering, well, Trump got impeached for a second time. All these insane things happened. Hold on, I'm just hitting record. All these insane things have happened in these last uh, two weeks. So, you know, not only did Trump get impeached for the second time, we had, um, you know, Republicans are now calling for unity and, and all this other stuff, which doesn't make any sense. We've <laughs> given the last four years we just have had so much going on. So I'm just, I'm happy to see that gone. This morning, Trump decided for some reason, I swear to gosh, I cannot understand the reason, but he had this, instead of coming to the, the inauguration like normal presidents, like every other president in the history of our land, um, with one exception, he opted to not come to to the inauguration. It's good. I'm fine with it. Joe said he was fine with it, but it just goes to show that that, you know, what we had considered um, a, a, a peaceful transition of power isn't going to happen under Trump. So what did he do instead? He had this, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, but this thing, <laughs> this event at the airport on the tarmac, with a 21-gun salute, yes, there were 21 guns saluting, which is actually what woke me up. My TV was on. I was asleep because it was 5 o'clock California time or something, and I hear this booming, and it was like, what the heck? Turns out it was, turns out that it was um, Trump's cannons. So you've got his people, his kids there. They're on the tarmac. Uh, Melania gives some sort of 
it wasn't a speech. She just said some words, which were basically, thank you for giving me the privilege. This was the highest honor of my life, blah, blah, blah. Of course, it was the highest honor of your life. You're a mail-order bride from Moldavia, Slovenia, Slovakia, wherever you're from. Being the first lady of the United States, like we got to guess that this was the, you know, the highlight of your life. No, we thought being married to Trump was, please. So she said whatever little words she said, then Trump said whatever his words were. Frankly, I fell asleep and I woke up, he was still talking and I fell asleep again and I woke up, he was still talking. I did hear him say something about, you know, what a great job he did with coronavirus or the vaccine or something and we'll be back. And he told his people, you go off and have a good life. Uh, I, I, you know, who knows what he's talking about. So he gets on the plane they take off. He's headed to Mar-a-Lago, as I understand it, to Florida, to Mar-a-Lago. My, my expectation is that they needed to get him down there in time for the plane to turn around and come back and be in Washington, D.C. at 12 noon. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's the only thing that matters. When our president, in, when our commander in chief is sworn in at 12 noon Eastern time, so nine o'clock California time, but when that happens, the plane needs to be there. If for no what, first of all, because it's his plane. Sec, and it frankly, it needs to be desanitized, and you know they need to go in there with whatever mister they use to clear out coronavirus. But in addition to getting the plane back, Trump's fanatics, his Proud Boys, and all those people. I mean, they've got them at bay. I mean, we've got security in Washington, D.C. Everybody there says it feels like a war zone. They've got it locked up tight as a drum. But who knows what somebody, some inside job uh, uh, secret service person or whatever may do. They may need to whisk him out of there. So Trump needs, to, the plane needs to get back. Anyway, so Trump will get to Mar-a-Lago. And again, he is still president until 12 noon. It would not surprise me if in the next however many minutes we have, 90, 87 or whatever minutes we have, if he didn't pull some stunt, I don't know whether it's to resign the presidency so Pence can pardon him, which they say that he didn't trust that Pence would pardon him, which is why he didn't <laughs> ask for that. But whether it's because he was concerned, you know, whether it's to, to, uh, that or just to fake a heart attack. Oh, I got to go to the hospital. I'm the president. You know, something that he thinks might stop the wills of progress from moving along. So I needed a sip of coffee because it's getting to me. Anyway, speaking of pardons, last night, Donald Trump issued. Oh, shoot. I saw a number last night, but I don't remember what the number was. Um, and I didn't write it down. I feel like it was. 120 something pardons. I think it was like 150 or 40 or something, some over 100 pardons and commutations. And then I had another number in my head, which was the number of executive orders that Joe Biden is going to sign. Um, but the pardons and commutations, you know, we've been waiting for them. We knew that they would come. It appears that Trump did not pardon himself or his children. Um, which is what people assumed, you know, he might be working up a preemptive pardon to, for, you know, all their crimes real and imagined. 
Um, but it looks like he didn't do that. Although somebody, some legal expert I heard say, I heard a legal expert say that we may not know until you get to a court of law. If somebody's trying to be, if they're trying to prosecute somebody, then they whip out, oh, I've been pardoned. So that isn't even something that has to be made public. I find that interesting. Anyway, so in the meantime, um, he issued pardons. The, the first one that came through was for Steve Bannon. You know, that crackle face. I don't even understand. I'm not quite sure even, Steve. everybody has something on Donald Trump. So he has a, a, a an incentive to pardon any and everybody. Steve Bannon was the like literally the first one. He was sort of the architect of of the dismantling of the the administrative state. I mean, that was his thing is to tear it all down. And obviously he succeeded at that. He was Trump's uh, campaign manager and he's had different roles, but he was up there in the White House in the early days. And then he did an interview with Michael Wolf, who wrote the first that first big Trump book, Fire and Fury. And he basically said Trump was a child and an idiot or what. He was one of those people. But he was on the inside, which was kind of weird. You know, it's one thing for me or somebody to say he's an idiot. But to somebody who's sitting living in the White House, it just seemed kind of weird. Anyway, um, but Steve Bannon got arrested a couple of months ago, a few months ago now, for bilking Trump fans. Trump supporters out of money. So long story short, uh, Steve Bannon was ahead of this thing called the Build the Wall Foundation or something. They're raising money to help Trump build the wall. So all these people who want this wall built were sending their money to Steve Bannon and he's there siphoning money off the top. Anyway, he got arrested off the coast, off the East Coast on some yacht belonging to some Chinese billionaire. Which is interesting, given all the times that Trump talks about, you know, China, the Chinese people and, you know, just his issues with China. So that's an aside. Anyway, so Steve Bannon got pardoned. He had already pardoned people like Roger Stone and, and, uh, and uh, Paul Manafort. But there were other people, Kwame Kilpatrick, you may know, he was a former mayor of Detroit. He went down in disgrace and has been in jail. Uh, Lil Wayne, I don't even know what crimes Lil Wayne did. Did he do some, I don't know, some vulgar maneuvers on stage that, <laughs> you know, maybe he killed somebody. I don't know. Uh, I don't follow Lil, Lil, Lil Wayne. Um, who else? There were just, there were a number of people. The people that surprised me that I didn't see, I really was expecting him to pardon um, uh Bernie Madoff, you know, I mean, he's a scoundrel, Trump-like scoundrels. And then uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, she's the one in jail. She was the partner of Jeffrey Epstein. So those were the two that I personally was looking out. I didn't see either of those names on the list, but who knows what will come out between now. And again, it's not noon yet. Trump still has some time. Um, so he gives a speech, he gets on the plane, he flies out of D.C., without mentioning Joe's name, without ever conceding the race. He did say that he wished the new administration well, 
and, you know, Godspeed or whatever, but he didn't say, you know, congratulations on your victory and let me tell my people to back off because you won fair and square. Yeah, I tried to fight it because, you know, all's fair in love and politics, but, you know, at the end of the day, you won, I lost, you know, no, he couldn't do that because he's a chump. Um, anyway, so that's all I got to say about Trump. Um, if he does some more stuff, I may be following up on him, but the whole purpose of the Capital G podcast was to get you guys up and ready for the election to get us through the um, the interregnum or the lame duck session uh, as we transition to a new administration. And here we are at a new administration. So, um you know, so we're going to we're going to move forward from here. We're sort of going to shift, though, and our focus now needs to be on President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, who, by the way, is from the Bay Area. Just want to say shouts out to to, to Kamala. Um, so. Joe, let's talk about Joe just a little bit. Last night, so the night before inauguration night, so what is that, December, uh, January 19th, Joe did uh, something that just, you know, another thing, put tears in my eyes. He did a memorial, a COVID memorial s ceremony at the, on, on the National Mall where they lit these uh, lights in honor of the people who died of COVID. We have surpassed 400,000 deaths. I believe this morning we were at somewhere a hundred of, I'm sorry, 403,000. I don't know the exact number now, which by the way, Trump didn't mention. Um, but I think for Joe Biden, it was a, a fitting and appropriate step one to just help people who have lost someone or who are suffering. This has been a very, very difficult time. And sometimes you just need some sort of a marker, some ceremonial thing that acknowledges your grief, especially when you have shared grief as a nation. So it was a moment to pause. If you didn't have an opportunity um, to see it in real time, I'm sure you can find it on Joe Biden's inauguration website, a, a video of it, or you can you know, find it on YouTube. It was pretty short. I don't even think it lasted, you know, maybe 15 minutes or so. Um, there was a prayer that was, that was given. And then there were two songs. One, I don't have the name of the lady, but one was by a nurse that sang Amazing Grace. And a couple of, about a month ago or so, she was, uh, she went viral on YouTube because apparently at her hospital, she sings and she sang Amazing Grace, you know, because she's working in the COVID unit unit. And anyway, so she sang Amazing Grace and it was just very moving. And then Yolanda Adams sang Hallelujah, the Leonard Cohen song, which, um, you know, Twitter informs me is about sex or something. So I was like, oh, OK, you know, I. I never went that deep into the song, so I'm gonna have to double back and but at any rate, Yolanda Adams, I mean, you know, the girl can blow. It's a cappella, uh, uh hallelujah. And then they, you know, took a moment with the lights reflecting off the reflecting pond in front of the a reflecting pool in front of the Lincoln Memorial, 
with the Capitol and with the, you know, Washington Monument and the Capitol in the distance. By the way, if you've never been to Washington, D.C., as soon as coronavirus is over, I really encourage you to go. It is, you know, the architecture, the history, the just the pomp and circumstance, just so much about D.C. is just really, really special. And it probably, you know, just helps to have in the back of your mind that the physical space, how far it is from here to there. And when you see a crowd or you, you know, you see a march on Washington or you see whatever it is that you see, uh, you know, presidential inaugurations and so forth, that you have a better sense of the distance. You know, when Trump says, I have the biggest crowd ever, and you see the mall, it was like a smattering of people here and there. Meanwhile, when Obama did it, it was like jam-packed from coast, from from the Capitol to the, to the Lincoln Memorial. It really gives you a, a better perspective. Anyway, I digress. But Biden did that last night. I thought it was such an important moment in history, not only for us to begin this healing process, but the other thing that it did, which I think, which it did, which I think is really kind of brilliant, is that he, um, you know, literally he set a marker, right? He made people sort of stop and say, whoo, 400,000 people died on Trump's watch because he did this before he became president. So it's like, no, I haven't even been sworn in yet. And now we can sort of see, hopefully we'll see a turning of the tide. So, um, you know, so there's that. That was last night. This morning he got up and went to church. There was a church service, uh, a Catholic church service, and he invited Republicans to go. So several of them went. My understanding is that Mitch McConnell was there. Um, and some other people from the leadership, which I find interesting, right? Because they were all about Trump. You know, it's like power. Oh, you're 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 not in power anymore. You're in power. Okay, you know, it's like I get whiplash trying to keep up with who's kissing whose butt. But at any rate, they did go. Many people went to this um, to the service at the at the uh, at the Catholic Church with Joe Biden, and that sort of set the tone. He actually left. Blair House, where he spent the night last night while Trump was, when Trump was doing his little rally, as soon as he got on the plane and the plane was taken off, that's when Joe Biden was like, okay, let's go to church. They went over there. They did the service. Now they're back. They're all at the Capitol right now. The band is playing. People are, I'm sure, inside sort of milling around and they're taking their seats now. Um. But just that bipartisanship, that olive branch that Trump is or that Biden is extending is, you know, as he tries to set a new tone, we'll see. I doubt that it'll. Well, I know it ain't going to do anything for some of them, because this morning, John Cornyn was on Twitter tweeting some nonsense about whatever he was tweeting, you know, uh, you know, Democrat leaders want Joe Biden to do what, you know, whatever. It was political. And it's like, dude, can you even wait for the man to get sworn in before you criticize what he, what the far left wing, you know, AOC crackpot liberal arm of the party is going to do? That They're just, they're infuriating. So I don't think anything's going to change. Mitch McConnell is is playing with whether or not he's going to 
vote to remove Trump or not, uh, not remove him, but to convict him or not, you know, and then it's sort of like, not so much do we care, we do care, but at the end of the day, Mitch, Nancy has not handed over the articles of impeachment yet. And then, you know, for her political reasons, and Mitch McConnell is coy, is coy about whether what he'll do when that does happen. Um, but on a good note, today, uh, January 20th, John Ossoff and Mar uh, Raphael Warnock from Georgia are expected to be sworn in as senators today. So that means that effective today, uh, Mitch McConnell will no longer be the Senate Majority Leader and that honor will go to uh, Chuck Schumer. And once Kamala is sworn in as vice president, right, obviously once John Kamala is sworn in, Kamala becomes the president of the Senate and that deciding vote in the Senate. So officially today, uh, at later today, because it's going to, Kamala is actually going to be the one to swear in uh, the senators. So that will be later on, but today is a big day. So in Donald Trump's time, and I'm going to wrap this up, in his four years, he went literally from... <laughs> You know, having the White House, having this, you know, having the, the all branches of the government. He lost the uh, House in the midterms. And then now, you know, while Democrats did lose a few seats, Democrats still can, can uh, retain control over the, the House. And the Republicans have control of the, or lost, con lost control of the Senate. So Donald Trump lost the, the presidency, the executive branch and the legislative branch. Republican uh, conservative justices still preside over the, the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, and a whole lot of judges got appointed, so we'll have to look out for that. But none of them were there to save Trump's derriere. So, um, and what else happened? Uh, yeah, so he just lost everything. <laughs> and then he, for his part, impeached twice. Uh, everybody has dropped him. His banks have dropped him. Deutsche Bank is like, we're never going to loan him any more money. Uh, he lost uh, the, the the golf at, Dur uh, not Doral, at his Bedminster was supposed to do the 2022 PGA championship. That isn't going to happen. So he's losing it. He is a man who probably never should have gotten in politics. He never should have run. He would have been better off. It was started off as a branding exercise. He stumbled into winning, then he exploited it and his supporters. And because he's such a bad human being, he lost everything. Uh, in the meantime, apparently Ivanka is considering running for Senate in, uh, out of Florida. She's gonna primary Marco Rubio in 2022, I think it was. And then um, Laura, Laura uh, Trump, who is the wife of of um, Eric Trump, the, the one of the sons. Laura Trump is apparently going to run or considering a run. I think for Senate in uh, what did they say in Virginia or or Pennsylvania. I don't know, wherever they live, somewhere over there on the East Coast. 
So it looks like we're going to have to deal with Trump's a little bit more as we go. So, but the final thing that I want to say as uh, this uh, uh, election is, is I'm sorry, this inauguration is about to happen. I'm distracted because I'm, I'm multitasking. But uh, George and Laura Bush are walking in, Bill and Hillary Clinton are there, and uh, Barack and Michelle Obama. I just want to say it. I'm going to post this on my Facebook because Michelle Obama, I just got to give a, a, a shout out to Michelle Obama, Black women in general, Kamala Harris. Oh my God. Michelle Obama got out of her limo. I, you know, it was like, oh, who's getting out? And she looked like a bona fide rock star. She looked like, oh my gosh, like she showed up to kick someone's ass and she was going to take down their name and then she was going to keep it moving. I, I'm just, I am feeling Michelle Obama today. <laughs> so I'm channeling my inner Michelle Obama. Oh yeah. If I was channeling my inner Michelle Obama, I would uh, take the high road, right? When they go low, we go high. The Supreme Court is is taking their seats at this event which includes Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Oh my God. So that's Trump's legacy to us. Anyway, so on that note, I'm going to sign off. Let me ask Siri. Hey Siri, how many minutes, uh -huh. how many minutes until 9 a.m.? It's 68 minutes until then. All right. 68 minutes, y'all. What can Trump do in 68 minutes? Hopefully nothing. Uh, but in the meantime, in 68 minutes, we will have a new president, Joseph Robinette Biden. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening. This has been Politics with a Capital G. I'm your host, Greer McVeigh, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Capital G. As always, you can find show and host information at capitalgpodcast.com and even more information and commentary on the Capital G blog, which you can also access through capitalgpodcast.com. If you liked what you heard, please share the show with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.